So uh, how uh, how you doing out there? You're a week into Costa Rica. One full week into uh, the jungle paradise of it all. I am now not nearly as sweaty as I've been, um, but it was with like the heat index. It was like a hundred degrees today, uh, so a little brutal, a little brutal, but welcome i mean i'm i'm happy to happy to be doing it. as you as you mentioned when we logged on i got my little golden brown action going on um so that's uh that's nice you also don't look like you're like dripping in sweat right now which is oh. sort of what i would expect for you in costa rica but i'm sure you're in like a nicely air conditioned bungalow of some kind a hundred percent yeah as you can see from the the wood uh on like on the outside of my frame there i don't know if it'll get caught on the uh on the actual video upload but yeah it's like a little like a frame like sweet action we got going on here so my my folks are uh just off camera over there taking a nice little uh what they refer to in these parts of the world as a siesta uh oh how exotic yeah yeah, yeah. very very exotic <laughs> i'm i'm international here um, but yeah, just, uh, just chilling, having maybe the most relaxed week possible. Um, but, uh, yeah. How are things going back in the States, Johnny? How's, how's your week been? Uh, my week has been, um, similar to yours in that mm. it's been sort of like blissful in a certain way. Oh, it's been right. the exact opposite of <laughs> relaxing. It's been like a sort of uh adrenaline uh thrill ride yeah. for me. And so I'll I'll give a like a the quickest overview I can and then we can really sort of set off into it. But what do you mean set uh, off in, this into, week set off set off into into what? into uh what do, what do we i mean just into our into our zoom call into just like our our weekly catch-up that we do yeah. on a yeah. regular basis wait what's this red light that's blinking oh I'm it's saying is this being recorded is oh, this yeah, yeah, yeah. what oh, is this right. yeah, yeah 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 no no this is this is recording um so uh i guess yeah this is the, this the is going waveform that's scrolling by yeah this this we're doing the, i think we're doing a podcast right now johnny in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're doing, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey. uh. Welcome, folks, to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. This is uh, just a weekly catch-up that a couple of childhood best friends have been having now for a couple of years. Um, we've we've been recording these, but we've been doing. More that I'd say, like it's more than weekly catch-ups uh, for much longer than that about this sport, and uh, yes. it's, a, it's a sport that we love oh so much, even when it does not love us back. But uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been loving. I think it's been been loving you and loving us. A lot, loving, of, lot of love, yeah, lot of love going around. Yeah, yeah. this week. Um, so this oh, is going to be a who, sort of abnormal. Wait, first of all, first of all. Oh yeah. Oh Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yourself. This is a podcast. Yeah. 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 So, uh, my name is John Lapore. I'm one of the two hosts of the F1 files. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive. And I'm joined by 
I am Corey Willis. I'm a writer, actor, improviser, normally stationed in Los Angeles, California. But as you may have heard, I'm on vacation, baby. I'm down in Costa Rica with the fam. Uh, But that, like I said, it's not going to stop me from uh, having a little catch up with my best friend. Uh, So (laughs) let's kind. let's let's we're we're, and let's let's just let's just put it out there um that this is going to be a break in the format of what we normally do where we just kind of catch up on the weekly news and events and kind of bring the casual fan in as best we can to the the delightful world of f1 but as you mentioned johnny you had a bit of a hectic week so uh why, why was your week so hectic so uh, last Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. I had completed something I had been working on for a little while uh, that I posted up onto the social media universe. It was sort of my intent or goal was to create something that I could share with the world. And it went, uh, and when I say share with the world, I just mean like, oh, I would just post it on, a, you know my Twitter and maybe another site or two and hope that uh, my immediate network would find it interesting or fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that thing went um, absolutely insanely viral. It It went all over the place. It went super mainstream. uh, And I cannot uh, express how like overfilled with gratitude in general I am. Um, mm-hmm. I've never had a sort of experience like this. It's coming at a very special and important time for me to have this sort of happen. And it does seem as though it's something that uh, I'm optimistic that is going to open some doors for some pretty special things mm-hmm. to come. Yeah. Um, that, that I can explain a little more, but it's, it's relevant. And I apologize in advance because this is going to be me almost like taking a, uh, a, a, a self, uh, loving victory lap around I'm my last say week. Earned and deserved victory lap and celebratory moment here. Uh, so this is, I yeah, do, this, I do appreciate that. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and it's, and it's, and all right. So it's relevant for me to do that here on the F1 files, um, mm-hmm. because this thing that blew up for me was very formula one related. Yes. And so I had spent, I, I'd spent a few weeks planning and plotting this and putting together a, uh, a conceptual mock-up of a Formula One experience or what it would be like to view a Formula One broadcast via Apple Vision Pro, Apple's new augmented reality, or as they call it, a spatial computing experience mm. where you know you look through a lens, you see the world, but you're able to add any sort of digital augmentation to the world that you could imagine. And I had what I thought was to me it's a it's a very it's a very thoughtful use of this technology, but it's like so thoughtful that I think it's to me it feels borderline obvious or very yeah. very natural. Oh yeah. And so I had had I had had this idea that you would put on this headset, you would watch 
a race almost as you would any traditional race. Like you could watch your television through the headset or maybe because the headset has the capabilities to do so, it would create a, a virtual screen that could be even larger than your television set. But that for me isn't the important aspect. The important aspect is that when you would look down at say your coffee table, yeah. rather than seeing the surface of your coffee table, you would see a three-dimensional representation of the actual racetrack. Like it would look like a you know, slice of reality or a snow globe or a diorama or an architectural maquette or, or whatnot mm. was sitting in front of you and that you would be able to see live in real time every driver's position on that racetrack and that that would create this like richer and much more sophisticated experience for right. for the viewer and for me it's also i think a great way of taking advantage of this new and novel technology that to be completely frank at times there are some experiences for augmented reality or or specifically for the apple vision pro and and whatnot that are really compelling and really interesting and then there's other ones that are just sort of like all right well it's you know I can I can look, you know, I could buy an extra monitor to have an extra screen at my desk, or I could buy this expensive headset and put it on and have it create an extra monitor or whatnot. Yeah. I just feel like there's there's so many more things that we could do beyond that. Yeah. So um, just hold but, on, but let's 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 back yes, up please, just, please. just 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 a just a bit here just to uh just to kind of talk about this in slightly less uh I don't mean to cast aspersions at our listeners, but maybe some of them are not as tech savvy uh, as you or I. So what what allows what what I mean, first of all, it's clear what inspired you to do this, that this is this is the space that you're in already. You're a visual designer. Um, you're really adept at creating these infographics, uh, especially when they're in this like heads up display type situation. Uh, but what allows us to do this with F1? Whereas like if, you know, cause it seems like they do already do this with, you know, with, with some basketball games or with baseball games, right? Like if you have super slow motion and they take multiple camera angles. So what's, why is F1 uniquely suited to accommodate this kind of user experience? All right. So that's a great, that's a great question. And there are some concepts that have been put out there and i think we they, they've been doing for a few years during like an nba broadcast mm -hmm. after a play they can do a replay where they composite together multiple camera angles maybe many 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 camera angles to create a like three-dimensional or a volumetric mm. playback that you could then have a virtual camera that you could position anywhere around and be able to see that action from any angle. The challenge with that though, is currently the way that's working, it only works as a replay. It's not something that you can perpetually in real time see that sort of detail. And it's tricky because with basketball or football or any other sport, um, mm. you can't just sort of say like, hey, uh, follow where the players are on court and then using, say, the like the NBA Live game engine, match their position approximately and whatnot. Because in basketball, there's like so much nuance to like 
down to the position of fingertips and things like that, that if you are watching just that simulated through a video game, it might become this sort of like low fidelity puppet show of the race. Right, like almost cartoonish or like overly animated that that loses some fidelity, right? And and so very cleverly so, uh, a few months back, ESPN did this thing where they created a simulcast of an NFL game uh, Mm. that was presented uh, as a Toy Story branded NFL game where the NFL players were cg toys running around on the field and this was happening in real time this was basically live in sync with the real football game but they're using you know intentionally low fidelity you know quote unquote toy characters Mm -hmm. to compensate for the fact that like yeah you're not going to see like exactly which way is the guy twisting his head to look over his shoulder to see if someone's chasing after him and whatnot right Um, right. i thought it was a brilliant idea very clever and i do think this is there there's going to be some mind-blowing things happening in the future of spatial broadcasts uh but particularly for sports it's going to be a really big thing now i believe strongly that formula one has a very unique advantage here Mm -hmm. formula one has for generations had live telemetry data that is available to broadcasters and others that give you everything from not just you know the speed and the g-forces that the car are are uh experiencing but you can get very precise track position you can get nuances of the steering wheel angle and these other factors there's all these little details that can be controlled and and captured and it would be pretty straightforward to pipe that into something that would be somewhat the equivalent of a gaming engine or for this experience that i've been proposing this miniature slice of reality and that 3d cars could be moving along that track and would be in the exact precise position of the real world drivers and racers. And so to be able to, I wouldn't suggest that this is, you know, perhaps a, a replacement for a live broadcast. I do think of this ideally being something that accompanies the live broadcast. But when I watch a formula one race on TV under the rare occasion of it being a track that I have visited and walked or driven myself, I have no idea where on track these guys are. When the cameras are tracking the cars and whip panning around and they're cutting and editing between different cars and different positions on the track, I almost never, except for when it's like, oh, I can tell they're in Eau Rouge or maybe Monaco is distinct enough that like you can always tell like, oh, that's the hairpin and that's the swimming pool complex. But even there, if the camera's like zoomed in too tight, it's like a little bit like, I'm not sure where they are in the greater geography of the race. And so I think this experience brings really useful, really practical context to the race. But I think it also, it's just to me a very appealing experience. I described it in this video as this sort of like God's eye view, or even like you think of like being a child and making 
castles in your sandbox and then all of a sudden being like oh now i can be godzilla and just like how fascinating how much we enjoy that sort of differentiation in in scale yeah there's some really fun things to to play with there exactly it's like it's kind of like that i mean in that that nfl game with the toy story characters kind of played on the the child's game where you have like the magnetic football players and like Mm -hmm. you as soon as you turn on the electromagnet it makes the you know players shuffle around and you can kind of like you said you know see have this god's eye view um but that's still a toy right that still like feels like oh it's it's not real right um and like Mm -hmm. you you mentioned specifically monaco uh, where there was a pass, I think it was Pierre Gasly and was it Pierre Gasly and Sebastian Vettel, uh, where they like Seb was trying to make a pass and then like the camera just cut away and then we never ended up seeing mm-hmm. Seb do like one of the most incredible passes possible in a part of the track yep. that is just no one has passed in a modern Formula One car in decades and he pulled it off in one of these giant you know, wide bodied cars. Uh, and then, and we have, there's, it's, it, because there's no evidence of it there, it's created this kind of like mythology around it, but with the tech that you're talking about and the demonstration, you know, the use case that you put together, you would literally be able to see what line Seb took to get past him and where he passed him. Right. So, And that's really important that the sort of like the reality of it is also still just a starting point. You have this opportunity to do things. And uh, even this this concept that I'm proposing, we haven't even visualized all the potential embellishments that could be applied. But the things that we added were uh, that each car leaves a trail behind its tires. Mm -hmm. Um, So you basically can see a very clear representation of the racing line that each car is taking. You can imagine, especially think of like qualifying and seeing the previous, you know, best sector times trail already painted on the track for us viewers to see and to be aware of like, you know, how that's, how that's unfolding and what's happening there. I think there's just, there's a lot of different ways that data and, you know, visualization play a, a really big role in this. Um, if you don't mind, I want to I want to back up even like a little yeah. bit oh, yeah. further and just talk about you know for me this idea was the confluence and the efforts of you know many different things sort of weaving together and so my background is it, working in a bizarre hybrid of visual effects design and user experience and so for over. 15 years now, I've been working on creating fictional technologies that you see in movies like uh, superhero films and science fiction films and and whatnot. Um, I've been working with some of the biggest brands in technology on helping them with their next generation products and often with some sort of uh, aspiration that we can almost meet in the middle between what you see in fiction and what's possible in reality. And I've done a ton of work in automotive, creating everything from instrument clusters for exotic vehicles to all sorts of other ways that the digital experience will impact what it is like to 
interact with a vehicle, like whether you're sitting in the car and seeing displays or hearing sounds or approaching a vehicle or in another car and seeing how another vehicle is communicating to you and, and all sorts of wild stuff. So like, that's my, that's my weird little space. I've been, you know, uh, this week that's been out of control for me has been a time for me to like reflect with tremendous gratitude on the many amazing collaborations that I've had over the years. Um, I spent 16 years of my career leading an amazing team at a studio called Perception in, in New York, uh, had wonderful opportunities to work with amazing clients, incredible filmmakers and, and wild brands there, but also some of the most creative, uh, collaborators that I've ever met. Um, outside of my time at Perception, I've uh, continued to have amazing connections with some of these gigantic tech brands, which you would think of as being, you know, uh, a, a, having this sort of like experience, like what you would see in like the television show Silicon Valley or whatnot. But there are some um, incredible, brilliant and creative people at these institutions. And I've had many other collaborators along the way that have been helping me out. So like all of like the things that I've had the opportunity to achieve to this point in my career is just sort of like a composite of everything that I've had rub off on me from the people that I've been in, in amazing proximity to. Right. Um, right. But also this, this particular concept of one of the things that poured nitro fuel onto it was a conversation that you and I were having on this very podcast. Yeah. I don't know, two months ago or so. Yep. Yeah. About that. And yeah. I think it, I think it was live during the podcast and I'm going to be, I'm going to be very careful here in how I like describe what happened because it was purely just some speculative information that was being passed around. But that's what we do here on the F1 files. We talk yeah. about the, the interesting bits of hard news. And we also discuss the, potential future multiverses that could be set in play by the various rumors that are, are worth discussing. Yeah. And so during an episode, you brought up specifically that uh, the there was a rumor floating around that Apple was considering purchasing global exclusive rights yeah. to Formula One. And like the moment you said that to me, like my brain just started, like there was just fireworks going off and I was just thinking like, oh man, well that would mean that like, do they use the existing app? No, they would want to create their own version of it, but the existing app is so cool. How would they level that up and, and whatnot? And so yeah. that was, that was something. And like, I think almost immediately after that episode, I wrote like some mini essays that I posted around on, on social media that actually got quite a bit of traction as well and ended up introducing me. I mean, a very, you know, a very modest traction, you know, something like, you know, 5,000 views or, well, or relative along to the traction that, that you've had this past yeah. week. But, but I mean, that for me, <laughs> yeah. 5,000 views is, in, is incredible yeah. and is a, is, is a wonderful thing. And, and introduced me to several amazing people just coming out of that because there are people that were like, Oh, we work in volumetric capture for sports yeah. or other things or, or whatnot. And so that uh that alone but uh so you know i i have tremendous gratitude just just solely just towards you Corey, for uh, uh being you know a, a very critical spark uh around around this thing 
Um, my I also pleasure, John, and it's, I'm happy to just speculate. <laughs> and if that turns into something incredible, oh boy, that's, that is, it's a byproduct that is perfect. There, there will be some special, there will be some very special things that come from this. Uh, it's at least my, it's my obligation to make sure that this leads to some special things. Um, I also have tremendous gratitude towards uh, one of my absolute favorite collaborators of all time, a gentleman named Sanu. Sanu Cigar is this incredible designer uh, and 3D artist who Mm -hmm. I've worked with for probably close to a decade now. And he and I uh, worked alongside each other at my, my former employer, uh, he's been freelancing all around the world with all sorts of exciting and interesting brands on on fun projects. Yeah. And I talked to him about this, and he basically just said, "Like, I w- this sounds awesome. I want to help you with this." And he uh, effectively donated his incredible talent to this process um, solely because he just was excited by and believed in the yeah. idea. And so that's something that I, I cannot uh, express enough gratitude and reverence for uh, what he was able to, to help me with. Um, Sanu did uh, incredible work taking a lot of the assets and elements that we were building up and you know uh, doing lighting and texturing and rendering on them to get them to this point where everything looks as fantastic as it can possibly look so and um, no it, small it, contribution there yeah and and i also want to give a, a shout out to to sanu because it more often than not when you have these kind of use cases or you have these you know kind of um, presentations where you're trying to show someone what's possible, there's an obvious, at least to probably to people like you and I, maybe less so to other folks who aren't as close to this space, where you see something that's like incredible and there's just a disconnect where you're like, yeah, but how how are you going to make this work? How is this even possible? Like the the technology is like, yeah, maybe it'll be there in five years, but this is like this video that you guys put together, like it feels lived in. And I think that's one of the reasons why it got such a big pop is because this doesn't seem like minority report where it's like, Oh, well, there's just no way that this will ever happen. Maybe in some sort of future, somehow this could pan out, but taking everything that exists, taking like the next step in kind of the augmented reality space, the fact that it is by a huge tech company uh, that that is kind of pioneering or re-pioneering this space, you know, um, because that was, you know, we talked about the Google Glass when when that came out, and that was something that was incredible, but there was just everything else hadn't caught up to it to make it as incredible as it could have been. So there is this confluence of technology, of actual the data that is available and the historical account of like oh there is this solves a very specific problem that not even like super fans like ourselves but the casual fan will benefit from right like the idea of getting away i mean i know this is like one of your founding principles which is like we got to get out of these little glass rectangles like we have to 
there's so much more available to us. And this kind of shows a perfect way of actually taking advantage of what's available to us now and what is clearly available on the horizon uh, to then make this not just a thing that super fans can love, but also like the dedicated like entertainment junkie loves where they're just like, Oh, I love like feeling like I'm integrated into this situation, even though I'm sitting at home on my couch. Right. Like, I mean, we've got the super bowl coming up in, in, in a little while here. And like, Mm -hmm. that's why people have super bowl parties because they want to share their setup and share their experience. Right. And this feels shareable and accessible to not just the people who know about it, but like, this is something that you could, you know, if someone has the Apple Vision Pro, they could invite people over and be like, yeah, check this out. And it kind of starts to like market itself and sell itself. And uh, I mean, I know a bunch of the comments I saw on those videos were like, take all my money, make this hat. Like, please just make, give me this. We want this. Like, I am now willing to buy Apple Vision Pro, right? Like, you know, it's it's an expensive product because it's brand new. And there are people who are like yeah. a little resistant because they're like, well, what can this do? And you too were able to show what is capable, you know, what this what this technology is capable of doing. So that's, I, you know, I'm going to give you guys your flowers for that too, not just as like these dedicated technology heads, but just as like, you know, we're one of the things, John, that I think we're really good at is like bringing people into situations where maybe they're not as comfortable because they don't have as much information. And this is a a, hu- a scaled a version of this that has been scaled to potentially billions of people. You know, billions of people would have access to the worlds that you envision and that you see. Um, so there's it's, there's there's something very valuable to everyone. What you're describing there has also been something that's been a big part of a a, a larger or a broader mission mm-hmm. for me that will become more clear in the coming months. Yeah. But over the last year or so, there's been something that I've been working very, very hard on. And it's been an opportunity for me to sort of like formalize or really think about aspects of the mindset and the strategy that you apply, not to this project, but just to anything that falls into the space of like, there are new paradigms Mm -hmm. where there are no best practices or templates that you can follow. There's no articles that you can read on, hey, this is exactly how to make a new kind of experience that never existed before and do it successfully. Yeah, And I think those things require an enormous amount of imagination of this sort of like cinematic perspective, but it also needs to have a tremendous sensitivity for uh, the engineering and the logic and the human factors and the sort of user experience principles that drive these things. And so I've been building, you know, as, as a, you know, a mantra for the last year or so, this notion of finding that first perfect balance between the cinematic and the pragmatic. Yeah. And for me, this, this experience is a confluence of that because I think it does create something that is, it's exciting and it's dramatic, mm-hmm. but it's also, it, it's not there just cause it's like neato, you know, and I've seen a lot of other experiences and things where it's like, you could drop a, you know, formula one car into your living room and, you know, take the wheels off of it and look around and like, 
that's really fascinating if you're an engineer but if you're yeah. if you're a fan that uh, the novelty just sort of like wears off relatively quickly with, or might with something be like overwhelming that. might be overwhelming to the point of where you're like i can't yeah. even access this so yeah i think yeah and that's right. and I mean it, when I'm doing this stuff for films, that's a that's the whole thing. Is like you want to make it as complex and as crazy and whatnot because the point of it is to make the character who's using it look like the smartest person in the world or or what. Yeah. Um, but to me, this was that perfect. You know, it's it's almost giving it this toy scale, but without it being, I guess, you know, simple or childish in a in a way. Yeah. And that that opens up some some really really interesting opportunities. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been I've been overwhelmed with the response. Um, the numbers are completely out of control. Yes, uh, yes on, John. Yes. <laughs> um, like well into hundreds of thousands of views on multiple platforms. Um, as of the time that we're recording this, I'm approaching uh, a million views on Twitter, which mm-hmm. blows my mind. Um, yeah. uh, well past uh, 2 million views on Instagram. Um, we're, I, I think it's, uh, to seven or seven and a half million on TikTok, which is a super bizarre hellscape in and of itself. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. and and lots of other places. And you know the 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 views. It's it's a bizarre thing for me, and like I feel weird even like you know bragging about view statistics. And it's bizarre to me that like for the last several days, I've had this recurring like dopamine delivery system that's wiggling in my pocket every yep. few moments or or whatnot um but the thing that's you know really special to me is that it's already started some fascinating conversations with some really interesting people um yeah. some people who uh, we've looked up to and looked at from a distance in multiple different spaces so it's it is Absolutely. Um, yes. In ways that for me are jaw dropping, it's, uh, allowed me to outside of, you know, potential sort of like client or collaborative opportunities. It's allowed me to, you know, have coffee chats with some of my, you know, industry heroes and, and things like that within my own sort of like creative or career community. Um, it's been, a a space where the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, you're describing, there's a lot of people saying like, I would, I could never consider spending $3,500 on this thing. But then I saw this yeah. and, you know, it's like, Hey, I got two uh, a lot of people. I don't need both of them. I could, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. There's been, been a bunch of people saying, never cared about formula one before, but this would get me to watch, which yeah. I thought was a, a very fascinating, uh, sentiment to, to hear. Um, yeah. a lot of people even just like watching my back for me, this thing, because it's spread in such a mainstream way. I mean, like ESPN reposted this, oh, yeah. uh, uh, the day before yesterday, like just ESPN, just the, uh, straight up not there like ESPN F1. account not not not, for, not 
ESPN F1 and like, you know, there was articles on like ESPN, you know, Florida or whatnot that were uh, appearing about it or whatnot, but just ESPN in general, their account has uh, posted it on, on multiple platforms. And I think the caption is just, whoa, and the mouth open emoji. Yeah. Um, Many people have been cross posting it or sort of like, you know, stealing it and doing it without attribution, which like Mm -hmm. I've come to peace with. And like at first was like, not sure how frustrated or, uh, you know, anxious I should be about it. But I'm, I'm very fortunate that like my own accounts and my own postings are like pulling down a significant number of views that I'm, I'm very confident that like if anyone needed to find me or reach out to me, which is the most, you know, valuable aspect is I don't, I don't care how many views it gets. What I want this to do is to spark conversations or whatnot. But, uh, I've been super touched that in many, many, many different instances where people have stolen the video, the comments are filled up with complete strangers who are saying, uh, you know, how dare you, this belongs to a man and his name is John Lapore, you know, yep. and, and whatnot. And that's, uh, that's been very touching. And also shout out to several of my, you know, friends and colleagues and whatnot, who have also jumped into the fray on that. I, and I believe, uh, Corey, you even jumped in on one Corey. It made the, it made the F1 troll account. Yeah. It got onto the F1 troll account. The Literally F1 troll the account thing we were talking posted, about last to week. Me, yeah, yeah. To me, that just means like, okay, well then that means anyone in Formula One has probably seen it, right? Like that's like that's like a mandatory yeah, account that's for mandatory anyone in the, yeah. in the world. Like, yeah. like, like Toto Wolf or each driver or whatnot, you know, are following the F1 troll account. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Pierre Gasly, I'm and, sure. And I don't has think they did. And, several and they didn't platforms. do good attribution on it. And I no, don't they care. Didn't. I still don't care. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still just touched that it's, that it's out there. That to me is like a, I can, I can die happy now knowing that I made a, a tiny little itty bitty contribution to the F1 troll account. Yeah. yeah. In a positive way, in a positive way. Like we didn't, yeah accidentally say something so horrendous or uh we didn't like, yes yeah. fall down the stairs while going to a grand prix uh you know um or it's they, like they oh, didn't feel compelled fans. to dunk on us yeah 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 so that is that is massive uh to have been reposted in a positive light on something that is it all and it it also brought out some amazing comments which will now get rolled into my like sales pitch moving forward with this concept like i think the favorite of all of those are the one that just floated straight up to the top was like oh finally now i can watch ferrari f up pit stops in 3d yeah it's like yep that's okay it's brilliant i love that it's kind of you know it's kind of the byproduct and kind of the point but also very much the byproduct is we as fans will then if if this which is it would be silly if this wasn't developed into something that was actionable um considering the feedback that it's gotten from complete and total strangers but it's like this is just it's it's in a it's on another level uh uh of and i've had several nice people also reach out to me solely just to say like hey just fyi i work at 
giant name brand company X or giant name brand company Y. Mm-hmm. And you should just know this thing is being passed around internally, like wire wildfire, and people are referencing it and yeah. discussing it and and whatnot. So like this will be used that, to that motivate, means, uh, like other people to go like, look what's possible, and it's not. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to look what's available. You know, look at what's available and look at how people ingest and digest information. And look what's possible. Yeah. So this is, I can imagine there were several uh, like weekly meetings or weekly debriefs where this was passed around during an actual meeting Uh, and like, all right, everybody shut up for three minutes and watch this. And then we're going to talk about it and how we can do this kind of thing. So it really is in many ways, it's having impacts that you did not anticipate you. I mean, we had, when we were talking about this, we talked quite a bit about this offline, but like we, you know, the idea was like, you're working on something that like you're really enjoying, you're really enjoying and that you're not going to, you know, you're not necessarily trying to market this or whatever. It's just like more or less a labor of love. And then that's, uh, that shows at the, you know, it shows in the response because people are, yeah, loving it and looking at it as like, Oh, I can inspire myself, uh, to become more creative because something like this is possible. So it's, it's been, it's been a phenomenal week to watch this. Yeah. And I, and I have two main, you know, goals coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's, let's talk. Well, uh, you know, three, you know, the, the, the one just being, I need to make sure that I'm able to send as much of this gratitude that i've received and this love you know back out into the into the universe like in whatever ways that i possibly can uh i sent someone a cake the other day uh Ah. just out of thanks for the way that they helped to amplify this i told a random guy in the grocery uh store parking lot that he was dressed really well today and uh and he was like oh yeah thank you bro oh, oh, and yeah. uh, and whatnot and so i'm just feeling you know I'm, I'm overflowing with uh this this sort of gratitude but uh it also for me it's it's a core piece for me in that this is this is what i do yeah this for me is a way to market my core service which is helping people create fascinating, exciting, and inspiring solutions to the new problems and the new challenges that exist out there. Yeah. Um, and then the other the other thing coming out of this is I can't wait to see this realized. I can't yeah. wait to see this be something that I I hope is in Formula One fans' hands. Yes. And between, you know, the proper entities that are, you know, required to sort of make something like that happen, but also just like in a tremendous outpouring of brilliant people from many different service verticals who have all reached out to say like, uh, I'm totally ready to be on the team to yeah. handle this aspect of this, or, you know, I've got the, this piece of the technology stack that's required, like covered better than anyone else and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really special to me. And 
the the overarching thing about this mm-hmm. is tied to my love of Formula One. And one of the reasons that I love the sport is because it has this super advanced technological side to it. Yeah. And the sport, because the sport is like, and just thinking of it in the broad, and I have a chip on my shoulder because I was never good at, you know, football or basketball or those sort of things. And so I fell in love <laughs> with Formula One. But Formula One is it's so much more technologically advanced than those sports are. And not that yeah. they should be. It's there's obvious reasoning as to why the engineering and everything ties into that. But I think that Formula One should be the benchmark. It should be the North Star. It should be the most technologically advanced way that you experience and absorb any sport. And yeah. that all the other sports should be following in Formula One's footsteps when it comes to just how technologically sophisticated can every aspect of this sport be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Whew. That's uh. It's been, been a, it's been a week, Corey. It's, it's been, been a, week. a week. Thank yeah. thank you very much also for, you know, not just being a, a critical part of the spark for this, but also being, you know, a sounding board and general uh, emotional and motivational support through the process of, oh, yeah. of putting this thing together. Um, I don't I, I don't make a habit of making these sort of like exercise side projects, but this one was uh it was it wasn't a small undertaking to uh to get it done so thank you very oh, yeah. much for for I, being there for for me to bounce all of this off of you uh along the way it is my pleasure and the 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 thing that john is not saying is that i've i was haranguing him about other things that he is currently working <laughs> on because we're we're we are cut from the same cloth where it's like hey if we don't like create these self-imposed deadlines and then tell someone about it, then we don't yep. do it. So uh, it is my pleasure to be the the burr in your saddle, uh, the thorn in your side, uh, the loving burr, the loving thorn um, to, to help motivate you and help keep you on track. Cause that's, you know, I rely on you to do the same thing for me. So it's, it is a, it is, it is a multi-directional, uh, a bit of appreciation here. And this also just for me has inspired me and, and like makes me, it's like a fev, you know, even though it's, I'll, I'll take, I'll take whatever accolades you want to throw my way. Uh, but like, it's like a feather in my cap to be like, yeah, this is my best friend. This is what we've been like fantasizing about this kind of stuff since we were kids. And like, how can we be involved mm-hmm. and how can we like be a part of this, you know, a part of these worlds that we love and, to see you make it happen right before my very eyes and watch you go through the planning process and the execution phase and now seeing the response and the, the feedback and the opportunities that it may create, not even may, that it has already created and is continuing to create for you. Uh, and for us as like a podcast, of course, there's some, there's some selfishness in this. I'm not going to, not going to play play pretend and act like I'm not like, Oh wow. Yeah. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing some cool numbers. We're seeing some like, uh, you know, cool engagement yeah, on what's, like what's, our social what's, media. What, what's up new, new listeners yeah. to the F1 files. Lovely to have you here. 
fantastic um, to have you on yeah. on that note we should every episode is not me just windbagging uh <laughs> about myself yes. and thank you very much for indulging me in this Corey. i, I really appreciate it. but why don't we why don't we jump to uh, a sliver of a proper f1 files episode yeah. and just talk about some of the the, the minor happenings going on this week uh in the the off season of formula one yeah, so uh, we've got a. Uh, I mean, it's not silly season, but uh, it's the off season, and it is kind of like uh, there are some contracts that needed to be signed, and some people who were awaiting. We knew they were going to be driving for the teams that they're already driving for this year, but it was a big question at the end of 2024. What were we going to do? And those two contracts, those prime contracts we were concerned with were Charles Leclerc and then also Lando Norris. Like we've talked about them on the pod already. And uh, what what happened this week with uh, with with Charles first um, and we'll actually no, let's talk about Lando first. Let's talk about Lando first. What happened with Lando uh, first of all with his contract and then also like what was his reasoning around signing this long-term and we do mean long-term contract with McLaren. What, what was, what happened there, Johnny? Do we, do we have a number of, of seasons on Lando's contract or is it one of these intentionally vague, like for several quote unquote seasons? Yeah. It's like for the Um, foreseeable future on into the next regulation. So people start to go, well, that's at least like four years if he's going to be around, Right. So I think that's kind of the speculative nature of this is that we don't get to see exactly, you know, how this is going to play out. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's at least up until the next regulations uh, have fully been put into place. Uh, so that's what, like four years, I guess, three or four years for Lando. Uh, you mean so you mean beyond the 2026 yes regulations yeah yep. yeah um, um so what was so like Lando, the, what did he say what what was the reasoning here well there was an interview where he was specifically asked about like well you know what about Red Bull would have seemed nice to see uh in a Red Bull and it was a little strange to me to hear him very directly say like well. Like, you know, like it, it wouldn't be, you know, like you could have the fastest car on the grid, but then you're also Max Verstappen's teammate and you have to be in that, in that position. And I, I was a little taken aback by that. Like I would, I guess maybe I had been fantasizing that he's the, the kind of driver, the caliber of driver that would if put in a Red Bull could really challenge Max Verstappen and that, you know, there's this idea that Verstappen is dominant, but he's also in an extremely dominant car. And that is kind of to me that around his capabilities and everything has been dry. Yeah. yeah, It has been designed around his hypersensitive capabilities and his twitchiness and, and whatnot that we've described how that sort of makes Checo's life a, a nightmare. Um, this is though to me like it's it it almost is gutting to me to hear him say like say that as though like yeah the red bulls the best car by a certain margin 
And then Max is still even the best driver by an even larger margin that like I wouldn't even be able to compete with him there. And so he, he, he did not describe it in those terms. He basically just said effectively, it was something to the effect of like, it wouldn't be the most strategically, you know, thoughtful move for me, or it wouldn't be the smartest move for my career to be driving alongside. We kind of talked about that too, right? When people were bringing this up, it was like, well, does he really want to be, I mean, I know that they're like best friends or whatever, but does he really want to be his teammate and sabotage that friendship and put himself in a bad spot to be competitive considering his level of talent? We were, we were saying like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be his teammate, but yeah, you're right to hear him just come out and basically like confirm what we were all thinking that like, Lando doesn't really want to be Max's teammate, right? Like, they like why would you do that? You know, uh, mm-hmm. why why would you ever want to do? Why does why would anyone want to do that? Let alone a stud like Lando Norris, who really is on the uptick in yeah. F one. Why would you ever put yourself in a position to get like embarrassed out of the sport? Um, not, not to say that that's what's happening with Checo, but I mean. He is kind of every misstep he has. I mean, we jump all over it, John. Like, imagine what a Red yeah. Bull fan does. Uh, not even we don't have to imagine <laughs> at all. We actually get to see it on a very regular basis how Red Bull fans respond to Checo's missteps and kind of uh ohs. Right. Hey, side note, just to uh, wind back to my my little side project, my experiment. I had very thoughtfully tucked in there multiple references of Lewis Hamilton being a eight-time world drivers champion. Oh yeah, I saw that. And it was perfect. Uh, <laughs> there was a there was a certain percentage of comments that I received amongst thousands and thousands of comments. There was a certain percentage of them that were people that were deeply deeply upset, very very irritated, very angry about my uh, intention to to describe Hamilton as an eight-time world champion. And Whilst so, literally uh, shaking his hand in the photo that you overlaid yes, that text. Yeah, it was I, phenomenal I, work, John. I just, I just want to say that please keep your complaints coming. I... Those are some of the most gratifying responses <laughs> yeah. that I have received to this. Yes. I enjoy those so much, so please keep them keep them coming our way um let's let's switch over to the other contracts yeah uh or the the other the other key bit of contract information and again it's another vague statement that Mm -hmm. we got this week was charles leclerc has been extended we don't know for how long it's unclear for us it has just been explained that his contract will be several more years again this like intentional vagueness yeah and you know the formula one community at large sort of takes a gasp and thinks oh oh poor poor baby poor baby charles yeah poor baby charles for literally hitching your wagon to that prancing horse um we'll we'll see we'll see where it puts him in the long haul yeah uh our our thoughts are our thoughts are with uh, Charles. Our thoughts are with the fans of Charles as well. 
because that's well, uh, yeah, it's a tough. I mean, I'll say my my buddy Cola said that uh, she could breathe a huge sigh of relief now that the contract has been resigned. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, if that gives you, if if the uncertainty was the most upsetting aspect of this for you, then hey, that's. Hey. That's fine, and I, yeah. I hope you have a sense of, yeah, I, you have closure into your hell that you yes. will now be be existing in. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Also does bring up, uh, and we, we don't have to go too deep into this because we've touched on this before, yeah. but there is not the same level of clarity or advanced uh, transparency into what's happening with Carlos Sainz contract. Right. Right. And that is continuing to stoke flames around like, okay, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be moving to Audi? You know, is he going to be mm-hmm. Audi Sauber before we, you know, even thought was going to be possible? How is that going to pan out? What's going to happen there? So yeah. Yeah. Interesting I mean, things ahead. It's not going to be an easy road for Carlito now that uh, his teammate has signed this long-term deal and has clearly, they're both up for contracts. And the fact that like Charles signed the contract first, even though Ferrari doesn't officially name prime drivers versus, you know, uh, a little bit of a, you know, a secondary, like a wingman. I mean, this kind of makes it pretty clear that Carlos is expected to be Charles man uh and not Mm -hmm. sit and also certainly not hey we'll see who does better and then we'll start backing that person so that's uh that's an interesting bit that we can kind of speculate on um the other little bit of news there before we move on from charles leclerc uh before we move on from the leclerc family uh is that uh arthur leclerc has signed a deal with ferrari as a development driver uh, and Arthur Leclerc was driving for the Ferrari F2, one of the the Ferrari sponsored F2 teams, and has had a couple of very successful seasons on uh, competitive seasons. <laughs> and also, he's a Leclerc, so he's from you know obviously good good stock and potential is there. Uh, but he's Charles' little brother. So so. Is his, it's his little brother. Okay. Little brother. All right. All right. Yeah. I was not yet. Yeah, none of this was on my radar at all, but that's fun to hear. And like, almost gets me thinking of like the days of like, uh, Michael and Ralph Schumacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Mm, Can you imagine? And this is, uh, this is great because, you know, kind of what we were talking about, um, the fact that like silly season has not been that great uh, this past year as far as like a driver silly season because these contracts, because almost every other driver on the grid other than Lewis, I think, uh, and Charles and Max, everyone else's contract is up for negotiations at the end of next season. So, it will become the silliest of silly seasons with potentially the absolute like bananas move of Ferrari, maybe sending Arthur Leclerc to like Haas or something like that. We may re or, you know, I don't think we would see two brothers on the same team, but who knows? Maybe Ferrari is really going to back the Leclerc family and we could see him make his way up through the ranks and, 
I don't think he's going to surpass uh, uh, Ollie Behrman because Ollie is now like the reserve driver. So we've got uh, Oliver Behrman, who is who who did an amazing job at the Abu Dhabi uh, Grand Prix in that free practice session, and then in these tire testing sessions, he's putting in times that were competitive with other current drivers on the grid uh, from from similar teams. So it's pretty impressive. We're going to see some wild stuff there uh, at the end of next year. And then it's also, yeah, if they only give Carlos a one plus one, right? If they give him a like, oh, we'll just add you and, you know, we'll keep you around for another season. Yep. There really is a good chance that we could see Oliver Behrman ending up on, you know, being a rookie while Leclerc is like actively competing for world titles. I mean, now we're, this is a lot of supposition that Ferrari is going to kind of get its affairs in order and not, not shortchange their drivers, but you know, it, it's anything's possible. Anything's possible. John. I, I just get anything's possible. Th- that's what I love is the possibilities. I love this idea that we're going to hit like the silliest of silly seasons yep. in, in 2024. It'll be a lot to discuss. I'm sure it'll be evolving all season. And then like, the first day of the season in 2025, like the drivers are all bumping into each other. They're like, you know, pulling into the wrong pit lane garage, you know, everyone's confused. It's a mess. Everything's been scrambled and mixed up. It'll be fun to see where all of this goes. I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. And I think, you know, through, through that lens, um, you know, it's worth noting as we're coming to the end of this episode, there's going to be a lot of fun things coming up in our coming episodes. Oh, yeah. We are very close to car reveals. I believe by the next time we record, we will have at least one, if not two cars yeah. that have been revealed. And that for me is always fun because it's just this sort of like, while we are in the deafening silence of the off season, these little drips of things like the cars being revealed is a really great opportunity to like hyper examine these things. And while I'll just be like, you know, in my superficial and trashy way, just describing the, how I feel about the colors or the sponsors that are affixed to these cars or whatnot. Uh, Corey, you always bring some incredibly thoughtful, deep analysis to everything that, that is tied to the visual engineering of, of these cars. So I, I look forward to, dicing that apart and then we're gonna have lots of other things unfolding with some of our favorite sagas i mean we've already mm-hmm. discussed the silly season we'll be continuing to track uh dark alonzo rising yep. as he goes from being this uh wonderful <laughs> gracious mm-hmm. uh person having a renaissance to someone that we're certain he will return back to his darkest and yeah. nastiest roots at some point it's um, just not it's we'll impossible be continuing for him to, not to do that yeah yeah Yep. We will be continuing to to track the cursed progress of uh, Team Andretti Cadillac yep. as they try desperately to force their way into the sport. They're like the, the obese American trying to climb aboard the already at capacity uh, Japanese bullet train and the, the police officer with the white gloves is like, like at the door shocking. being like, no, like we are, oh, we are oh, at... 
maximum occupancy. Like we are like, do not. And he's still like, uh, you know, talking into his phone on like speakerphone. He's be like, hold on. There's someone trying to keep me from getting on the train right now. Hold on one second. You know? Yeah. But meanwhile, uh, that's F1 is the policeman on the train and the FIA is the policeman with the baton behind uh, this, this, this guy trying to, Oh, that's right. Cause cause those officers actually are, they're usually pushing there. It's not that they're stopping people from getting on. It's that, that they're being like, no, 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 hold on. We've got room for one more sardine. One more. This thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And speaking of, uh, sardines and, uh, uh, large Americans. Um, it was reported that there are several trademarks that have been put in for uh, an oh, F1 God, race yeah. in Chicago. So if you were sick of American street tracks, well, folks, uh, buckle up because they're, well, actually, I guess get your seatbelt extenders and buckle up uh, because we are <laughs> going to be uh, potentially going to the 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 most proud fat city in this uh in in this country uh which is chicago uh what what are some ideas that we're we're kicking around for for i mean all right listen like as an american fan Mm -hmm. i am all in support of formula one expanding its grip on the united states yes but for whatever reason hearing the chicago uh uh, the the Pizzeria Uno Formula Uno Deep Dish Grand Prix mm-hmm. uh, being held in Chicago. That's like the first moment in a while where I'm just like, all right, you know what? The, to to our European listeners who have been really irritated by the sort of American takeover, I now officially sympathize with yeah. you. I can I can understand your, Why? your potential discomfort. Yeah, maybe here. maybe there's some fatigue on that uh, on that front. Uh, well, with all of that said, Johnny, um, including your contribution to Formula One. Uh, with your your video, your use case uh, video that you put out, where do you think the stock of F1 is specifically within the U.S., but also overall? Where where's it at right now? Uh, I mean, I have to say it's it's skyrocketing, but that's because I've seen nothing but tremendous positivity well, yeah, uh, around the sport. I've been introduced to tons of people that are huge fans that I didn't know were fans. An enormous part of this. Uh, going so big for me was not because people uh, were uh, dazzled by my idea or my concept, but because there are so many lovers of Formula One in the mainstream zeitgeist in yeah. general who yeah. were spreading this around and just you know it, being excited about it solely because of its its connection to the sport that they love. So yeah. uh, to me. I, I have no way of saying anything other than the sport looks incredibly strong this yeah, week. Uh, yeah. do, do you have a, a perhaps more tempered or grounded view of it, Corey? A slightly more tempered, but also one that kind of backs this up. I mean, I'm definitely, I will fall victim to the feedback that you've been getting and that uh, the, the pod has been getting as a result of that video. It's been nothing but positive. Uh, but also down here in Costa Rica, uh, I we went out to a restaurant last night and I was wearing my Silverstone commemorative AMG Patronus hat with all the little Paisley stuff on it. And uh, multiple people in that restaurant, including servers and other oh, folks, wow. 
commented not just on like, oh, are you an F1 fan? But they were like, we got a bunch of car reveals coming out next week, too. So there's international like mm. fervor for the upcoming F1 season. So uh, I can say in in a slightly biased, but in like a pretty objectively unbiased way, I'm not talking to these people ahead of time and priming them. Um, they've approached me and talked about how excited they are about the mm -hmm. F1 season. And they don't even know that we do this podcast. I never brought it up to them. Uh, so, but also shout out to my mom for uh, bringing this up to the server and being like, oh, you know, he has a podcast uh, about this. And I was like, yeah, mom, <laughs> great job promoting the podcast. Uh, I fell short, but you're picking up the slack. So shout out to, uh, awesome. to Karen. Uh, Karen beautiful Willis work, or, Karen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think the stock is up. Um, and also for the new fans, uh, welcome. Uh, thanks for sticking around this long. And also for fans who are uh, who are who have who have stuck with us and who have been here since the the start of this. Uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up some on very podcast, dedicated fans uh, for, sure. uh, for for the f1 files appreciate everyone that's uh been with us as we're uh, uh rapidly approaching the two-year mark yeah yeah rapidly is, approaching the hundredth episode yeah, yeah this is episode 99 at the hundredth episode we will have uh, now covered or begun to cover, uh, I guess, three seasons. This will be like the third season that we've been yeah. uh, doing this podcast. So it's been a pleasure, Johnny. And I know this is literally, this is what we do. We talk about this stuff anyways, and we figured we just put it on mic because, you know, it's an interesting thing. And I know that you have interesting viewpoints and you know that I have interesting viewpoints and we figured, yeah, let's just share this. So keep keep in touch. Stay tuned. Uh, where can the folks find you out there in the world, Johnny? Uh, you can always catch me via my home base of johnnymotion.com. Uh, jump to Johnny Motion on Twitter to see this uh, video piece that, uh, that we've been describing. Um, that's where it sort of emanated outwards from. You can see it there and we'll, we'll link it in the show notes and all of that. Uh, Corey, where can the folks find you? They can track me down at my home base. I've got CoreyPWillis.com. Uh, and you can also catch me on all the social medias. Uh, and you can catch us at the F1 Files on Twitter, the F1 Files on TikTok, and the F1 Files podcast on Instagram. So shout out to everyone who has supported us and has uh, who is now supporting us. And uh, we've, like I said, we got some exciting stuff coming up. So make sure that you catch up with us next time. And we will make sure that we catch up with you next time on the F1 Files.